Hey, this is Bill Dwyer. Hanging on to my Hollywood dream by my fingernails. I sing the truth, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Joe Zimmerman. I Basically, with the Royal Wedding, you know, I was just shocked at how many people in the U.S. watched it. You know, people were doing a lot of deliberating. Oh, is, does she just want to be the princess or does she really love him? And it's like, who cares? Fascinating talk with Joe Zimmerman. We talked about self-help books. We talked about, uh, I wouldn't say conspiracy theories, but kind of you know, odd theories out there, uh, like D.B. Cooper and what happened to him and things like that. He'd never heard of D.B. Cooper, so I uh, I put him straight. I told him all about it, and now he's now fascinated. He's going to look it up. But anyway, um, so we'll be talking to Joe in just a few minutes. We have a song of the week coming up from Rat Boy, and first, a dumb bit. This is a little bit that we call, I thought it was funny. Again, it's a case where I don't really have a big, full-blown, uh, again, it's a case where I don't have a big, full-blown bit, but I have one funny observation about it, uh, so here we go. Wasn't going to do a dumb bit this week, but of course we had the Roseanne thing. The Roseanne thing fed into the Samantha B thing, and to catch you up real quick, Roseanne said something horrible out of, about a former member of the Obama administration using some stereotypical racial, I wouldn't say slurs, but uh, I guess... I, I, stereotypical, I guess, description. It was awful. Anyway, and I'm sure you've seen it. Samantha B. independently referred to Ivanka Trump as a feckless uh, C-word, and people tried to equate the two, of course, and I'm not the first to point this out, but of course, uh, vulgarity and, and bad insults uh, and, you know, and, and, and mean insults are not the same as racism. That's number one. And, uh, and number two, well, I guess that, that's the main point. Um, Oh, and then also people tried to get Bill Maher fired because he once referred to Donald Trump as an orangutan. Again, <laughs> mean observations, not the same as racism. Thank you very much. Uh, the thing I did want to address, though, is uh, that, um, and I know these two things aren't the same either, but remember, when we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the president, we're talking about a guy that said this. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. So I think anybody, anything anybody says about him or his family, you know, I don't think you can get too, too upset about it. Now, the thing where I actually got not upset with Sam B, but a little surprised is the fact that Sam B is brilliant and go back and watch all of her shows and things like that. What I'm, what I'm upset about is it seemed that's a little bit of lazy writing to just call Ivanka a feckless C. I think her and her writers could have come up with something a lot more clever than just, you know, dropping down to, you know, just name calling again, because there's just, there's just so much there. You could just pluck it from the tree. So I was a little surprised about that. But then I thought, well, hey, maybe if she had called Ivanka Trump the P word instead, Everything would be sorted. I thought it was funny. If you consider yourself to be an old soul trapped in a modern world, you can relive days gone by in classic imprints from our vast collection at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have vintage tees from all the great American cities like Atlanta, Baltimore, Brooklyn, Chicago, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and more. We've got defunct sports teams, old restaurants, old stores you used to shop at when you were a kid. Just go to OldSchoolShirts.com. It is all one word. Pick up yourself a great and stylish-looking vintage T-shirt, and it really helps the show as well. So as soon as you're done listening, head there.
Joe Zimmerman is a stand-up comedian originally from Morgantown, West Virginia, home of West Virginia University. Salute. And he started doing comedy in North Carolina, but now he lives in New York City. Imagine that. Here now is our interview with Joe Zimmerman. How's it going? Good. Good to talk to you again. Yeah. It's been, a, been about a year, right? Yeah. And a funny thing is you're in Cincinnati tomorrow, aren't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, what happened was we should have talked a week ago for that, but my editor at the beginning of the month said, hey, I need everything in early because I'm out of town at the end of the month. And then Mikey didn't add you in until after she told me that. And so I submitted the person that's playing the other club, unfortunately. Uh, so, oh, yeah, okay. the big mix-up there. But anyway, um, but we'll get you covered for Minneapolis, in any case. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, last year, I looked, We and you were talking about, uh, you were interested in self-help. And, uh... That's right. Yeah. And so, how did all that, uh, turn out? Did you gain any more insight as you traveled the country, uh, doing that set? Or, uh, how did that all come together? Uh... Pretty, pretty good. I kept reading uh, self-help books, um, you know, stuff like Life-Changing Magic of Tidying and uh, oh, Untethered right. Soul. Yeah. And uh, I have a few, uh, yeah, I did a lot of jokes about it, but uh, I ultimately got a, uh, a book book idea out of it. So I, I wrote a book proposal for a book about um, various essays about different times in my life, reading self-help books. And, uh, yeah, and now I'm all, uh, I'm all fixed up in my head, too. <laughs> so, uh, so where do you land? I mean, how helpful are self-help books? Are they helpful at all? Are they really helpful? What, or is it just, you know, depend title by title? Yeah, it's totally title by title. Like, uh, um, you know, there's a few books like The War of Art and, um, Let's see, the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook that uh, I really took to heart. Uh-huh. But then there's books, then there's books, um, you know, like basically any book about getting rich. Oh, yeah. Uh, is terrible in my opinion. Any, any of the books I've read, um, are just like, well, don't spend any of your money and just postpone joy for the rest of your life. It does. That's the, the uh, yeah. that's the debate my wife and I have all the time. It's like people are saying, you know, we should be saving, and we are. We're saving a, a ton, and yet she's like, yeah, but what if we get hit by a bus? We wouldn't have done anything. So how do you, you got to you got to strike that balance? You know, I mean, we want to retire down to yeah. Florida like good Americans, but at the same time, uh, you know, we still want to do stuff. It's we're only in our fifties, so and uh, our early fifties at that, so. Yeah, there's a book called The Automatic Millionaire that basically tells you to stop drinking Starbucks lattes. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Because <laughs> um, it's, you know, $5 a day over the course of 40 years yeah, with compounding interest, uh, you're basically a millionaire. Right. And, uh, but it's like, but yeah, that's like my favorite part of the day is the mocha in the morning. Yeah, well, not only that. I don't drink $5 lattes, so what am I supposed to do? I can't even cut that out. If I'm lucky, I'll drink a dollar coffee from McDonald's, like, once a week. But oh. other than that, I'm making a big old pot well, of 
to about a Maxwell house well, here in the morning. You, well, then you're already on your way to being a I guess so. <laughs> Maybe that's it. All right. Get out of this uh, podcasting and uh, comedy interviewing business and uh, get down to Florida sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, I mean – yeah, I mean, I don't think you even need a job if you're just not drinking coffee. That's true. Yeah, you go. So, did you ever read Awaken the Giant by Tony Robbins or any of his books? I think I read the first half of Awaken the Giant. I remember, I vaguely remember him talking about how he was having trouble with his weight. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he quit eating pizza. Associate, uh, all you have to do is associate the pain that it's going to cause you later right. of eating, you know, too much food. Yes. And once you start associating pain with, you know, ice cream, you're able to stop eating ice cream. Or or either that or it was associating the pleasure of feeling good about yeah. not eating. I, mean, I can't remember yeah. which was which. Well, that wasn't entirely bunk. He had another example where he – um. I think he took his kids to like these terrible neighborhoods to to, to show them what uh, drug abuse would would likely eventually uh, lead them to. And to this day, I've I've smoked weed three times in my life. Didn't really enjoy it because when I was in elementary school, there was this kid who was like he should have been three grades ahead of us, and he was a known uh, weed user. I don't know if this had anything to do with anything, but and he was a mess, and he used to beat the shit out of me constantly. So I just associated that. With weed and in my head forever, just like Tony Robbins, I just I I couldn't do it. So I I don't think it's it was it's entirely bunk. It's just you know the walking on the hot coals thing. I think is maybe where I got off the train. Yeah, walking on the hot coals and uh, yeah, I don't well I I don't know why I don't know why that's such a big part of it. I guess because you can yeah, summarize. I guess. I, I guess but I haven't been over. to one of the seminars, so I don't know. Yeah, to think over the pain. I guess that's actually more dangerous, though, when you have a guy that partially makes sense. You're thinking like, oh, yeah, I could, I, that's happened. something like that's happened to me in my life. And then you go down the rabbit hole, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I lost my train of thought. I apologize. That's fine. Um, so, are you still interested in that, or are you? Is your set focused on something different these days, or is it uh, an, an extension of that? Or what are, you, what are you talking about these days? Um, I would say I have branched out a little um, back into um, history stuff and science, you know, science type topics. Oh yeah. Um, so some self-help, and then I also have an interest in, you know, stuff going on right now that I find interesting, like, you know, the royal wedding and, uh, you know, National Geographic admitting to years of racism and stuff like that that's going on right now that's just kind of interesting. Yeah. So what did you make of the royal wedding? Uh, I just... Uh, I basically with the royal wedding, you know, I was just shocked at how many people in the U.S. watched it—30 right. million viewers yeah. on television—and uh, and then I was like, "Do I care about this?" And so I started thinking about it, and you know, people were doing a lot of deliberating. Oh, is is she does she just want to be the princess, or does she really love him? And it's like, who cares? I don't understand why we care. Also. 
Um, you know, I would probably love somebody if I could be a princess, you sure. know, <laughs> but her, uh, why not? But in her statement, she did say, she did say, when we met, it was a blind date, and she just asked, is he kind? Which uh, <laughs> sounded a little a little fake, because it's like, well, is he kind? Also, is he a handsome prince? Is he that kind? Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I, I, I did a little research on Harry, Prince Harry, and uh, I actually went to St. Andrews when Prince William was at St. Andrews. Um, so I just get into the whole concept of, you know, what it's like to be born special and then you're just special the rest of your life. Yeah, that's just weird. In a, well, you said you went to St. Andrews? I, I studied abroad at St. Andrews for a semester. Well, I went to Prince William met actually. But you didn't, you didn't bump into him or anything? No, but people would always, there would always be sightings and people would say, oh, Prince William's over at the quad. We should go check it out, and I never had any, you know, never had any interest. Yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to do to stare at the prince. Well, just you know, hopefully he made something of himself, you know, with that education. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Anglophile, and zero interest in the royal wedding. Uh, I'm with Billy Bragg and Morrissey on that one. I I do not get the point of it at all. I mean, I know it's part of the heritage and everything, and I kind of get that part and the history of it. I'm interested in. But why you're spending millions of dollars on people that just happen to be born in the right place at the right time, it just baffles me. Yeah, it's strange. I, it is strange to me. And I wonder, uh, you know, I wonder how weird it would be for Meghan Markle to now just be in a royal family. Yeah, well, she's retired from acting. Like, yeah. Yeah, it seems like you would almost beginning the short end of the stick like you stopped having your career and yeah now you have this whole new career of you know opening hospitals and you know waving to the public and and all that right i guess it's just yeah public figure doing philanthropic things yeah we got sucked in because um my wife couldn't sleep and she goes just put on the tv and put on the news and of course all anybody was covering uh we don't have cable we have over the air tv so the only actual news that was on was covering the royal wedding so my wife is making all these snarky comments about the people in uh, in the crowd, some of which I, I can't repeat. <laughs> but uh, Elton John was not scared. He was in the crosshairs. Uh, the queen was in the crosshairs. <laughs> Why does she look so bitter? Uh, shouldn't she be happy? Um, so what kind of science yeah, stuff? She's, you- well, you know, the problem yeah. with the queen of England is she uh, she's constantly acts like she's the queen of England. Right. <laughs> Um, so what kind of science stuff are you interested in these days? I was trudging through a Nova the other day about, uh, climate change and, um, and it's hard to, I have to like watch it in chunks because of, uh, my busy schedule. But, um, is it stuff like that? Is it, uh, what, what kind of things are, are interesting you? Um, well, yeah, cli- climate change is interesting. I haven't really figured out a way to talk about it, but, um, yeah, but, uh, just more stuff like I, I watch all the, I'm a little bit obsessed with the Planet Earth documentaries um, and all the stuff about parallel universes. I love the uh, Berenstain Bear conspiracy theory. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, how, you know, everybody remembers Berenstain, and, and it turns out it's always been Berenstain. 
but and a lot of there's a lot of internet theories that we're living in a parallel universe with glitches now, like there in Spain. Ah, that's what it is. Because I think that's easily provable. But what I guess if you're saying there's glitches, that means it's gone back and you can't find the evidence to the contrary because it's in a different timeline. Right. So there's no evidence that Steen ever existed. Huh. Wow. But uh, the only evidence is the collective memory of everyone. Right, right. Which is fallible, though, because, although maybe this is an alternate time. This is what got me thinking about this, because uh, I don't know if you just the, the, uh, Greenberg and Golick on ESPN, uh, and they're now on uh-huh. separate shows. So Greenberg was talking about he, having interviewed one of the Chicago Bears during the Super Bowl run in 85. And then Golick pointed out, he goes, wait a minute, he wasn't with the Bears that year. He was with the Eagles or some other team. And, and Greenberg's like, I swear I interviewed him because it was the Super Bowl season. And he looked back and he found out it was impossible for him to have done that. And he's like, my memory, yeah. but he, he said, I would have sworn anything that I interviewed the guy. So you may be that your memory plays tricks on you, of course. And then the collective conscience plays tricks on all of us. And yeah, well, that's interesting. That's, boy, talk about a rabbit hole you could go down. Yeah. So obviously, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny that people are like, wait, our memories can't be off. It has to be a time traveler. Right, exactly. Caused a rift, a rift in the, per- in the universe. Yeah, I have to double check. As opposed to just our our memories being slightly off. Exactly. Yeah, because I have to go back and double check things now. Like, wait, did I did I actually do that? Like, I um, it's a simple thing. I was going through some stuff in the basement in my memory bin, and like I was going through old ticket stubs. (laughs) Apparently, I saw Midnight Oil, the band, and I would have told you before. I don't think I've ever seen Midnight Oil. Sure enough, there's the ticket stub, the Palumbo Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 1990. Like, oh, well, I guess I must have. And uh, so, wow. yeah, it's just, you know, and I usually remember who I've, but then again, there's other bands I'm thinking, like, I don't know, because I've seen so many concerts. I'm like, I'm not sure. And I'll go back and look on the internet. Well, were they where I was living during that tour? Because you can go back and do that mostly now. And then I have to corroborate it that way. And yeah, it's just, it's weird. You have to go back and second guess, like, almost your entire life. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what are yeah, the- and um, I, it's more fun. It's more fun to chalk it up to, uh, Parallel universe oh, yeah. getting mixed up as opposed to just sure. having a bad memory. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's much more interesting. Um, what, so what other kind of theories and, and things have, uh, have been of interest to you? I've always been a big D.B. Cooper man myself. Uh, that's always a, that's a classic. Which one is, which one is that D.B. Cooper. Oh, my God. The guy that uh, jumped out of the airplane in November 1971, Thanksgiving Eve. He walks into the Portland airport uh, and he's misidentified as D.B. Cooper. It's actually the name Dan Cooper he uses to board this Northwest Airlines flight to Seattle. Uh, in the flight, he uh-huh. gives a note to the uh, flight attendant and says, I have a bomb, and they land in Seattle. He gets $400,000, I think, from the FBI, lets the passengers go, takes the pilot, and I th- just the pilot and the co-pilot. He stays in the back cabin, says, fly me to Mexico City. Somewhere between Seattle and Portland, he lowers the aft doors of the plane, Jumps out with the money, never to be seen again. Uh, people are pretty sure he perished during that because it was, you know, 30 below zero at that altitude. He was wearing a suit and dress shoes. He wasn't dressed to jump out of an airplane. And, um, yeah, so that's, uh, and they've never found, and just recently there's been another, uh, book saying that, no, we've, we found the guy. And the FBI has looked at everybody and they said, and there's always a reason why that, the person can't be the person. There's, you know, DNA evidence doesn't match. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, that's a good look into that one. So, I've, I've followed that one for years and years. D.B. Cooper. Yeah. Do you, do, you uh, do you think he survived or not? Looking at all of the – I agree with the people that say, I mean, unless he had something else with him in that plane, and I don't think he did, I don't see how he could jump out of a plane. It was The plane was flying lower than normal. It was still 10,000 feet. It's still 30 below. It's still a howling wind, and he's wearing a suit and dress shoes, like they said, and – you know, they think he had some kind of um, knowledge of the 727 plane that he was on, maybe from the military, but not as a paratrooper, probably from loading them. He knew that the aft door could open up like that. But they don't think he was a military paratrooper. They think he had knowledge of the plane, uh, but that was it. So my, I think likely he did he did not survive. His money, Some of the money was found uh, in the river uh, in 1980. He jumped in 71. A kid digging uh, in the sand along the Columbia River found, I think, like $10,000 of the money. But it washed, it was behind where they think he jumped. So they don't know how it got upriver when it should have flowed downriver. So, yeah. Yeah, just uh, look at the Wikipedia oh, article for D.B. Cooper and go I'm from gonna, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to read into that one. Yeah, I, have yeah. a, I have a good D.B. Cooper bit by Minnesota. <laughs> there you go. When you come back to Cincinnati, that'll, that'll, that'll all be sorted. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So is it things like that that you follow, like, you know, old time, or is it more like these, you know, internet mysteries and, and, and things like that? Um, I would say, yeah, all of that stuff I find to be, you know, super fun and interesting. And if at any point it can relate back to something current or something about my life that makes it unique to me or unique to the present time, then, uh, then it's perfect, I think, perfect material for, for stand-up comedy. And do you hope some of these things are true, or are you just kind of like, you just want to extract the comedic value out of it, or how it relates to your set? And wouldn't it be fun if we were in a parallel universe, and it actually was Berenstein, and we've all fallen in through a through a wormhole? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I, I have my, I, I'm more neutral, I guess I'm more neutral, I, I like to look at both sides of of the argument, for, for comedic purposes. It's like with aliens. It's like I'd love it to be true, but I just don't think it is. Now we um, this other podcast I do for my full time job. We had a guy from uh, the local uh, observatory on, and he's very skeptical. But then he said, "I think we're going to find by the end of the century, we're going to find the existence of life outside of our planet." Now I think he was just meaning possibly just microbes or something like that. But yeah. he's he's convinced we're going to find at least life elsewhere, not, you know, perhaps intelligent life, not life that's visited us, because right now, as we understand it, the physics of other uh, races, other alien races visiting us is impossible. The closest one would be, if you even went to the speed of light, it's still four years away, if that. Yeah. So. Right. Well, yeah, it's, it, I mean, I don't think it's possible for aliens to have visited us or even be alive anywhere near us, but... I mean, the fact that they found four Earth-like planets yeah. nearby recently, um, four Earth-like planets orbiting one star that's very close by in the terms of the galaxy and the universe, it's just crazy how many Earth-like planets that there are that probably have water on them. Yeah, so, I- you know, it's crazy to think how many um, different, you know, life forms are are probably out there, just out of our range. Yeah. He was telling us that before all these, this big explosion of discovering these exoplanets, uh, they figured maybe one in like, you know, a thousand 
stars uh, had at best had maybe a planet or some kind of some sort of planetary bodies around it. And now they're like down to like they think like one in every four or five uh, stars has planets around them. And that's just in our galaxy. Then there's just, you know, consider Andromeda and all the other galaxies. And it's it's mind boggling. Totally. Yeah. It really is. Um, uh, and there's that fun theory. Um, I blank on the name of it, but a dude in the 60s or 70s calculated how many different um, galaxies there are and took the least amount possible of, you know, the least likelihood of there being stars with planets and the least likelihood of a life form and then the least, you know, statistical likelihood of a life form reaching an advanced civilization. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the calculation still said that there would be around a million advanced civilizations throughout the universe, just statistically going with the statistical lowest probabilities. Yeah. Just because that's how big the universe is. Exactly. And I, I like, I, if this guy is right, I mean, I, I reckon that's probably even a lot lower now. So, man. Makes us all f- yeah, now that there's well, now that there's even more Earth-like planets than I thought, that that probability is probably very high now. Um, hopefully, they're doing it better than us. I mean, they're sitting there debating, going, maybe they're doing, maybe it's Berenstein on their planet, and maybe it's <laughs> they're trying to get that sorted. Yeah, well, who knows? Yeah, maybe they maybe they do have it all figured out, or maybe uh, you know, but more likely the people that have it all figured out lived, um, you know, won't be alive for another billion years or whatever. That's true. Or they were alive billions of years ago because there's the old Star Wars was supposed to have happened a long, long time ago. And people always, uh, and, you know, people forget that, that the, it's not only a, a thing of uh, distance as far as other planets, but in time, the universe is, you know, how old these advanced civilizations could have come and gone. Yeah. My big question for Star Wars and George Lucas is, if it was billions of years ago, are these all supposed to be humans living billions of years ago? Or are they aliens that are just played by human actors? I don't know. They're humanoid, so I guess that's probably how they, they... That's the asterisk around that, I guess. I just wonder if they're saying that these humans led to, to us, or if they're saying it's completely unrelated. Probably unrelated there's that, you know, yeah. that's the way it was in, you know, Star Trek. They'd run into people all the time, spoke English, walked upright, two arms, two legs, sorted. <laughs> but, like we said, now that may, that might not be as crazy as we thought, so, yeah. Yeah, I just saw, um, I just saw the movie Solo yesterday. Yeah, we saw it Sunday. Um, going, going to, I, I love, you know, I, I, uh, I love what, uh, I love what Disney's doing, bringing back all these, uh, Stories. Some people hate it, but I, I didn't love that movie. But I liked the Disney bringing back all the stories. Well, I liked my daughter used to be huge into Star Wars. She's not as much anymore. But we went because um, uh, my boss at my day job is comedian Josh Sneed, and he did a charity event oh. for it. Yeah, so we went. Is boss? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He runs a T-shirt company here in town. That's what happens. Oh, awesome! He tours on the weekends, uh, but once or twice a month, and the rest of the time is taken up with this uh, apparel business. He's partnered with this other guy that used to be a comedian, but got out of it because he didn't want to live that lifestyle. He wanted to focus on, and then his business took off at the same time. So he, they're focused on that, and uh, yeah, he had a charity thing that benefited a local hospital. 
Uh, and so my daughter and I went to that and uh, saw Solo. And my daughter, who's 14, was a little confused by the plot. And I'm like, you know, this is what, the one that made the most sense to me out of all the recent ones. Because it's just Han's backstory. He's just, you know, not to give away too much to people listening, but uh, hard scrabble kid grows up. You see how he gets mixed up in some of the stuff, but still has a good heart. And uh, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was fine. It was definitely my favorite of all the recent ones, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was uh, it was fun. I I liked the way him and uh, Chewbacca met. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's my daughter. The exact same thing. She she liked that that origin story there. That was really cool. Now they've got it glued. Yeah, the real love story. The real love story of Star Wars <laughs> is the on um, Chewbacca backstory. Yeah, now we got to get that. Yeah, oh yeah, Chewie. <laughs> and we got to find out how I ended up in that hole on that planet. There you go. Wow. So I guess it's just infinite. They could go on forever. I guess that's the plan too. It's just to go to, to squeeze this thing until the last drop of juice is out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of drops of juice. It's the infinite uh, galaxy, right? It is right. Yeah. Well, great, infinite man. Universe. I guess we'll climb out of the rabbit hole here and uh, have fun. Well, I guess you actually be in town tomorrow, and where I am uh, at, at the weekend, um, and then you'll be in Minneapolis in I think two weeks. Uh, yeah, because yeah. this is due Tuesday, and then it'll be the week after that. All right, super. And uh, yeah, well, great. Uh, good talking to you again. Uh, glad things are going well. Yeah, I'll be in. Uh, I'll be in. Uh, Dave Wade is randomly going to be in Cincinnati as well. So, oh, if you great. have a chance to come out, come say hi. Uh, we will. We're covering at the big rock festival here uh, in town. It starts. Oh, cool. Yeah. Although maybe I'll see if my wife wants to come out tomorrow night. Actually, because she likes going to the Thursday show because oh. it's less intense. Nice eight o'clock show. A little more low key. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll run that fire. So if she wants to do that, and uh, I'll I'll. All right. that. Great, man. All right. Well, good talking. Look up Sounds that DB good. Cooper thing. You won't be sorry. Uh, me and my wife's best friend. We're, oh, yeah. we're we're totally deep in every year when the, they bring up the anniversary of it at Thanksgiving. Uh, we're always looking at the, all the articles and stuff like that and discussing theories and stuff. So, well, great, man. Uh, have a good weekend. Otherwise, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Cool. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Joe. Good Bye-bye. to talk to you. Good talking to you. Bye. chat with Joe Zimmerman, right? I did not disappoint, did I? I hope I didn't. Anyway, um, so anyway, catch Joe Zimmerman. Let me see here. I did not look this up for you ahead of time, folks, so let me see. Uh, you can catch Joe Zimmerman. You know he's coming to Minneapolis. Actually, as I'm recording this, he is in Cincinnati, as you heard uh, in the interview, uh, but he's going to be in Minneapolis in two weeks. Uh, exactly when here? Let me see. It is not on his schedule. Yes, it is. It is going to be in June 12th through the 16th. So those, those are his next dates. He's got an open week in the beginning of June uh, at Acme Comedy Club, June 12th through 16th. Then to Salina, Kansas at the Stifle Theater with Brian Regan. How about that? Featuring for Brian Regan. And then he's with Regan uh, for the rest of June, it looks like. How about that? Well, well, well good on... Uh, on Joe Zimmerman there. That sounds like a really good show, those two guys. All right, so we're up to the song of the week now. Song of the week is from a group called Rat Boy, and here's how I discovered Rat Boy. Um, you know, most parents, you like to think they curate music for their kids, and as such, the kids end up listening to a lot of music that is from a previous generation or two. And while that sort of happened with Fangirl and producer Lizzie, don't know why we call her that. She didn't produce on the show. She's been a, a guest voice and is uh, and is actually more of a, a visual artist now. But anyway, um, uh, Lizzie and Hannah both have uh, you know developed their musical taste over. They like the stuff that my wife and I grew up with and like. And my wife and I like. 
current music as well. So we, in, in other words, I would say we all like current music. We all like older music. And uh, so maybe I'm a little weighted a little bit toward the past, and the girls are weighted a little bit more toward the future, I mean, the present. So just to give you an idea. But um, a lot of the groups that the girls like are not old groups, but they are contemporary groups that I was the first one to come across, the vaccines, the 1975. Uh, Declan McKenna it seems to be an area of disagreement with Lizzie and I. I heard him on Radio 1 about the same time she got a recommendation, I think from Spotify or Instagram, uh, to listen to him. So we think it's a tie on Declan McKenna. Now, she totally gets the credit for Rat Boy, who you're about to hear now, because Rat Boy is a recommendation if you listen to Declan McKenna, I think on Spotify and or Instagram, since he's kind of similar, it's a singer, songwriter kind of situation, uh, kind of like, uh, who do I, like Jake Bug or um, uh, George Ezra or people like that, they, he, they all fit into this kind of category too. Uh, but I'd say Declan and Rat Boy are most closely related. And then the Rat Boy thing, I'm going to explain real quick, it's like a Never Shout Never situation for what I can figure out. He is Rat Boy, but the band is also Rat Boy. Like, Never Shout Never is Christopher Drew, but then you got these other two cats uh, to join up to the band, so really it's a trio now, so it's like that. So anyway, this uh, album came out actually last year, but of course we're just discovering it now because of these Spotify recommendations and, and such like. And, he's, and Rat Boy's going to be touring the U.S., we believe, coming up. He's going to announce tour dates in a, actually a couple of days, so hopefully he'll be coming uh, to our neck of the woods as it were. But the tune I'm going to play for you is called I'll Be Waiting. And at first I thought it kind of reminded me, well, I told Lizzie, it reminds me of like an 80s group influenced by a 60s group. But the more I listen to it, it reminds me a lot of the Zombies, uh, particularly the Odyssey and Oracle album Zombies era. So uh, give a listen, see what you think. Uh, I think this is a really good tune. And what's nice about the album is called Scum. There's two versions of it. One's got just the songs. One has a bunch of like interludes in it that are kind of I don't know, silly and I don't really find very intriguing. But uh, anyway, the album is very varied. There's a lot of different kind of styles on it, but it still sounds like one band. It sounds like one unit still. And uh, But I like this is my favorite track. It's called I'll Be Waiting. It's our song of the week on VFT Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. You Ain't nothing movies, ain't no way Wipe away the tears from your first screen